Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Please always talk about, because people always talk about their gifts, their purpose. If you have a gift, leave with your gift. And don't let your friends, family, or corporate stop you from planning or living your dream. My next guest is Regina Taylor, a two-time NAACP Image Award-winning actress, playwright, and activist. She plays the role of Marion Shields Robinson, Michelle Obama's mother, in the 10-week anthology series, The First Lady, which appears on Showtime every every Sunday at 9 p.m. I've been watching it. Very, very. We'll talk about it in more detail. Mrs. Regina Taylor's first film was the made-for-TV movie Crisis at Central High, which starred George <laughs> Woodward, in which she portrayed one of the first black students to integrate the Arkansas school system. Taylor next going to praise for a role as Mrs. Carter. I remember that drug-addicted mother in the 1989 Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman. Other film roles include Spike Lee's Clockers, Our Fly Away series, which we would talk about the unit, and Lovecraft Country. On today's show, we'll be discussing in her career, longevity, and the anthology series, The First Lady. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, the incredible Regina Taylor. How are you doing? 
I'm great. Thank you so much. Well, uh, first of all, um, a career uh, in acting. Uh, I mentioned, because uh, I wanted to mention your first role and then the current role, because there's a body of work in between there that's a testimonial to your skill set, but also the ability to not just hang around, but to be a part of the process, the creative process, to be able to make a, make a name for yourself and a respected name for yourself. But tell us how it all started for you, Ms. Taylor. I started out as a writer. I've been writing since I was a, a baby. <laughs> uh, my mother taught me to write children's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted me, and she was a teacher, so it's very mindful that she wanted me to be mm-hmm. able to write my own story, write my own narrative, mm-hmm. uh, place a little chocolate girl in the center of the story, and build worlds around her perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, she thought that was a survival tool, wow. creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to to start channeling that early, so I always wanted. I always wrote. Uh-huh. Always loved writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, went into college as a journalism major. Wow! And uh, thought that was my path until I took an acting class. Okay, to so, fill out a credit. Which is really always we talk about because during the pandemic in 2020, the word pivot became a very popular term. Mm. You know, being able to make adjustment, you see your path going one way and then you pivot to make an adjustment. So you went to college, journalism was your dream, your goal, you you dreamed of a life in that, but an acting class. What in that acting class, Miss Regina Taylor, made you go, wow? Or was it a series of things that happened once you took that class? Well, in the same way that I love, uh, I love books. I, I love uh writing because you get to immerse yourself into someone else's life, run right. to their skin, see that their eyes uh, take that journey with them. I love books and I love writing for that. Uh, when I took that acting class, I uh, still am a very shy person, <laughs> uh, uh, a bit timid in, mm-hmm. in public. Mm-hmm. So to be able to then give myself to um, another character, uh, that I am again stepping into someone else's shoes, right. seeing the world with their eyes. I am speaking uh, with their voice, and it's still my own. Uh, that was very um, challenging, and <laughs> it was exhilarating, and it got me over my shyness a bit, and uh, just uh, owning my voice in a different way. So uh, that was that was very exciting. Uh, I, I still didn't consider myself an actor. That was like acting class 101. Right. Uh, what did it was uh, Henry Fonda uh, was at the school, Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was doing a live broadcast um, from the school for TV of the oldest living graduates. So he was right there on campus, right there in the theater department. I had finished a class and I was following him down the hallway because I was too shy to say hello. Uh, and this agent saw me stalking him and <laughs> came over, said, uh, are you an actress? I said, sure. And uh, she said, there's this audition 
this weekend off of the freeway in Motel 6. And I was, uh, she was like, do you want to go to this audition? I said, okay. <laughs> because I'm no fool. I brought my biggest cousin with me, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Philip, uh, and uh, made up a resume, uh, took a Polaroid camera mm-hmm. uh, and, and took a picture and uh, went in and I got the I got the job. It was starring Joanne Woodward, uh, Crisis at Central High, about the first students to integrate the Arkansas school system, Little Rock Nine. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I played Minnie Jean Brown, this real person. Um, I got to embody her spirit for this TV movie. So that was my first professional job this this opportunity (laughs) came from following henry fonda down the hallway in school (laughs) you know you took an acting class smu university and um audition and you went in did you get the was it a cold audition did give you lines before you walked in uh, yeah uh, they gave me lines uh yeah and i read yeah wow now you know when you when you walk into that because you go from henry fonda now you're joanne woodward Okay, mm-hmm. which is another incredibly talented actress in her t- in her time. Yes, and then you're talking about a very dramatic role, which is historical but based. What were you at emotionally at this part? You know, you're still in school. What, what was happening here yes. with you? Uh, well, I, I was just very excited to uh, get to have this experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, was what it was about. But my first time on a plane to uh, go from Dallas, Texas to Arkansas to the actual school right. uh, where we shot yeah. uh, was was very exciting. Right. And as we were shooting, there were people who were watching the shoot, living across the street, some of them, who were coming across and saying, oh, I was here the day wow. that uh, the military came in to escort these students into the school. And I I was going, this is real. Mm -hmm. And I think it really made a lasting impression about how uh, art, social justice um, can be bridged uh, in the work, through the work. And that's your entire career. So now we fast forward Mm -hmm. to First Lady, another role where you're playing Somewhat the reality. You're, you're, you're watching something play out in this series. Now, the, the, my takeaway in this series is that I, you know, we always see the final product, you know, them making it to the White House. There's a there's a role that they play. There's a life that. So you really don't mm-hmm. see, you don't really don't peel back the covers of who they were as a child, who they were as teenagers. Mm-hmm. How did they meet? How, what, what, how did a relationship come about? And this series does that for me. And I was and it, and it, and, it, and it goes through East Light. East person's life is layered in each episode and in, in different time periods. Like in episode I saw last night, all three of them got married on the same day in this particular episode, you know? Yes. And and so what was your take on the series when the opportunity came to you? And then as you're watching the series play itself out? Yes, I think it's really a great series and seeing these three powerful women, uh, from Michelle Obama, uh, Betty Ford, Eleanor Roosevelt, and these uh, powerhouse actors in these roles, from Viola Davis to Michelle Pfeiffer, Gillian Anderson, uh, take on uh, these roles. 
and what it is to be a first lady. Definition of first lady keeps changing right. with each person steps into those shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly with these particular women, uh, they are uh, conscious women uh, making a statement, going outside, pushing the boundaries of what the role of first lady should be mm -hmm. uh, from Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, speaking out on uh, women's rights right. and uh, rights of people across the board mm -hmm. uh, in her time mm -hmm. uh, to... Um, uh, Betty Ford talking about health and uh, mental health and physical health mm -hmm. and her speaking out when people were, were mainly silent about mm -hmm. uh, certain issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and with Michelle Obama embracing so many issues, including being uh, uh, the issue of being a black woman <laughs> as the first lady for the very first time in our country's history. Uh, the challenges of each woman, uh, each woman, is to have a voice. One of being a woman and and challenging what the expectations, what the boundaries are, in in being a woman, uh, uh, continues to be uh, challenges that we face today. So it was really, uh, I think, interesting how these stories interweave different times, different women, and similar challenges. You know, Miss, I'm speaking to Miss Regina Taylor, you know, one of the stars of the anthology series, First Lady, that's airing on Showtime every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Pacific. Uh, the thing that my takeaway was that, uh, you know, you do have Jillian Anderson, you do have Viola Davis, you do have Michelle Pfeiffer, but the young actresses who played a role, yes. oh, my God. They were just so, I, I was, they drew me into the series. I'm going to tell you right now. Even before I got to them, they drew me, if they, if they didn't do their job, if they weren't magnetic, if they wasn't, uh, in, they, they, they got me. They got my heart. They got my spirit. I felt yes. for their lifestyle, their concerns. They are not being mentioned. I have to take a few moments with you and also allow you to speak on them because to me, they're the key to the series. Because like mm -hmm. I said, we know, who Michelle Obama is, because we, as a first lady, as well as Eleanor Roosevelt, as a first lady, as is, you know, Betty Ford, as a first lady. But that journey to being that first lady is so important, and they are fantastic. Can you expound? Yes, all, each one, uh, because you go uh, in, in terms of seeing them as adults, uh, in in the role in the White House, and then you do uh, going back in terms of history, uh, drawing back the curtain. Who were they before? Uh, and certainly speaking on uh, Jamie Lawson, and um, uh, who's playing uh, also playing Michelle Obama uh, as she goes to high school through law school, mm -hmm. uh, college, and uh, you also have. Uh, young man De Niro, um, who is Julian De Niro, uh, who uh, is playing uh, the young uh, Mr. Obama, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. how they met, 
Right. It's so it's so uh, you know, it's like, you know, black love, real love. It's um, you know, <laughs> she was his boss, you know, uh and yes. I, you know, it, it you know, the thing about it is that we don't we this word called pivot that we talked about earlier in your career. You went to school as a journalist major and then actress, the acting bug hit you once you hit a class. Took a class in acting, and next thing you know, you're one of the most talented actresses in our era. And um, in this situation, like she says, she didn't like public speaking. That's why she intentionally flunked the course. That's what she says in the storyline. So she wouldn't be valedictorian because she didn't want to make a speech. And then speech. So, and then she becomes one of the most pronounced speakers of our generation. That's yes. really interesting. That's why I say it's important because what you see here was not what now in her final version, you know, when you go high, you know, when you go low, we go high. You know, all those quotable statements that she said in our lifetime and become a leader, not only for black women, and uh, but, but, but our people, for people in general, let you know why this series is important. Because you need to see how it started, how I built momentum and how the final product was able to play itself out because of that journey. Journey, correct, Ms. Taylor? That's right. Uh, we we get to see also foundationally where they come from. Um, Michelle Obama's always talking about her family, uh, family ties that, that keep her rooted. Chicago South Side, mother and father, uh, stable, uh, and always uh, also uh, playing this role of uh, Marion Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, seeing uh, the strong bond between Michelle Obama and her mother that she brought her into the White House mm-hmm. with her to live. Mm-hmm. I was going, yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. That makes sense as they're facing new challenges, mm-hmm. uh, new terrain, uh, uh, coming up against uh, major obstacles uh, on a world stage. She wanted to bring her mother with her. Right. Uh, to add that uh, when you, when stability, you, that backbone, not only for herself. Uh, when you, for when you her. play these roles, you know, these roles, these real-life roles, which you, you are playing here, and, you know, and somewhat played a, a character that was built into Lean On Me when the Lean On Me character was a real-life role. And and then, of course, we talked about your first introduction to Crisis at Central High. But then yeah. I'll, I'll Fly Away was oh, a period. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I'll Fly Away was a period piece, but it's also based on a life, a period of how we were treated and how people were uh, a period of time. These pieces seem to be part of your signature. Do you go after these roles, Ms. Taylor, or they just see you as this dramatic actress who can handle this body of work? I am blessed. I am blessed (laughs) with these roles that have come to me. Uh Uh, And so they're mine. Uh Uh, and I'm encouraged by this path. Mm-hmm. Now, when that run, I think it was what, 91 to 93 was the series of I'll Fly Away. And the reason that yes. was important to me, because, you know, guess what? There weren't many black people on TV and lead actress, a black lead actress leading in that role. When when someone brought that project to you, you know, do you, do you, are you aware of what's happening or are you just, just happy for the opportunity? I am happy for the opportunity. <laughs> uh, and certainly, you know, uh, with these roles, uh, I'll Fly Away was my first TV series. Yes. Uh, and I think again, it was Friday night. I think it was airing on Friday night, I believe. I used to watch it. it. I, 
I got the script. They said, you know, come and audition. And what I did bring with me, I, I brought my roots. Okay. I brought my family. Okay. I brought my my, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I brought myself fully mm-hmm. to uh, that audition where I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a, a Black woman in the 50s in the South. Uh, we shot in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that... Uh, was a housekeeper. And uh, it, it was, when I first read the script, I said, oh, well, I know her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I've experienced her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never seen her fully embodied on the screen uh, that this woman uh, usually uh, at that time, uh, what you saw uh, was a stereotype of a black woman. Right. Uh, uh, what we you saw were hands and not much beyond the hands, maybe the back. Right. Uh, but with this, it was a, a, it was very special in that uh, you got inside her mind. You knew she had dreams. She and it was expressed every day. Every every um, day she would write in her journal, and right. that was shared every week mm-hmm. uh, at the top of the show. So uh, you knew she had a mind. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where you began. Mm-hmm. And then with that, it expanded into not only is she the black woman in the white household. Um, and those relationships, you saw her at home. You saw her in her community mm-hmm. as a woman. You mm-hmm. saw her as a woman. She had boyfriend. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's that. that, she that, had that a father. That, she had a daughter. She had a past. Uh, and she got involved in the civil rights movement. Right. Uh, as a foot soldier. And All that, of that. And that's, that's why, I, that's why, I, that's why. I, We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Your life as, a, as an actress, as a person, excites me when I when had an opportunity to set up this interview because there's always a journey, a story we try to tell. And your mm-hmm. story has always been something that, that plays out, and I, I, it's, it's layered. And it's just like I said, these are just some of the stories that, and movies and series that you've been impactful impacted our lives, especially African-Americans, because we look we look for that role, we look for that mentor, we look for that face that's relatable. You have been very relatable to us. With that, with that statement I'm making, is there pressure with that? Because, you know, you said you're naturally shy. You're not forward as far as coming out and speaking randomly. Doing this interview, I feel, has to be something unique for me because I feel, you know, you don't step out there doing them all the time, but when you do them, you're fantastic at doing them. So that role that you play, that responsibility, is it is it important for you to value what you bring to the table when you do interviews like this? Uh, yes, it is. Absolutely. I, I try and be mindful and conscious with all the work that I do, whether that's with acting, whether that's with writing, yes, uh, I have a sense of where I come from. I have a sense of uh, connecting with community, communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
either through interviews or, or hands-on work, uh, mentoring, teaching. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly uh, doing classes at different universities or high schools or uh, <laughs> uh, through uh, whatever channels right. are available or making those channels uh, at the same time. I am. Uh, it, it has been a wonderful, continues to be a wonderful career in being able to uh, make those bridges between uh, entertainment industry and um, the social issues that are important to me and um, continue to strengthen our community. You know, when, when I when I see an anthology series, because you're playing a certain role, you're playing Michelle Obama's mother, but you also have these other two players. How does that, how's that information delivered to you as an actress? Do they give you the entire body of work to see how it plays out, you know, what is happening with Eleanor Roosevelt's role, what is happening with with uh, Betty Ford's role. How is that played out script-wise for you? Is that important that you know what's happening in their lives so you can understand what's happening in your role with Michelle Obama's character? They shot uh, each of the women's stories, and it's 10 parts. Each woman had 10 parts right. that they uh, put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I did not read uh, the s- 10 scripts for the other two ladies. Right. I only read the 10 scripts uh, that involved Michelle Obama. Because mm-hmm. it was really interesting because, like I said, as a viewer, you know, I'm seeing the final product, you know. I'm watching Michelle Obama's role being yes. layered in here. And then I'm watching yes. Betty Forge and her character is like, you know, she was, I didn't know she was a divorced woman. I didn't know she drank alcohol. I didn't know she smoked cigarettes. I didn't know that, even, at least in the series, they showed that they participated in premarital sex, you know, and things like this. You know, it really was, like I said, that's the final product is what you get to the White House. And that's all right, but I always know these people are human and we tend right. to put them in the in the White House and we start uh, putting standards that not even an everyday person can live up to. And I, that's why it was important to see, you know, Michelle say, you know, I don't like public speaking. But that didn't mean that she didn't eventually rise to the occasion of being a public speaker. You could see, right. you know, she was a daddy's girl, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. she had a proud father, you know, and and had to deal with that. And she, I, yes. I remember the scene in the hospital. She said, I write a check. How much are you going to cost to get my dad up front, front of the line and get him out of this lobby? You know, when you when you're reading these scripts and you're taking this information, what did you learn about Michelle Obama, Regina Taylor? I've always known she was fierce. You know, we know she's a fierce woman. Right. Uh, we know that she stands for what she believes in. Uh, she is outspoken. Uh, how did she get that way? Certainly right. uh, in in studying for this, I went through a lot of video, but mm-hmm. also her book mm-hmm. was, was very central, mm-hmm. uh, where she outlines her past, her family, uh, that the sources of strength in her life. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think um, 
I, I'm a huge fan, admirer, believer in Michelle Obama. Well, I, I think um, we all are, but guess what? I, we are huge admirers and fans of Regina Taylor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I see you, you know, it, it, it's always fun when I see uh, somebody, which I, I use the word legend, and I don't use the word le- loosely when I say that about you, when I can think of body of works that seem vividly come into my mind, clockers, that, that body of work by Spike Lee always stays in my mind when I saw it in a movie theater and and then, you know, the, the unit and Lovecraft Country. You know, mm. all of them are different for you. All of them play a role and all of them leave a lasting impression, Miss Taylor. Mm. Is that your goal when you get on that screen to, you know, when you lay down the work that you want to leave an impression on the, on the, on the viewers, on the people who are seeing your work or just the work that you're participating in? Uh, my my goal is always to try and find the truth, right? Uh, the multifaceted truths of of the characters that I play uh, to uh, in this body, right? To um, give insight, uh, to share uh, who. Uh, we are right. in, in body work, who we are, uh, and we are complicated. We are multifaceted. We we are uh, both uh, light and dark, and how we make these journeys. It, it, a lot of times we discover in this uh, the, the uh, resilience of the human spirit. Uh, a lot of times in, in the characters that I play. Uh, that, that's always, I'm always conscious of that. I, I, I remember being a child and uh, uh, seeing a black person on the screen. Thank you. And uh, you would holler down the street and say, oh, there's a black person, there's a black person, come on, come on. <laughs> Absolutely, come on. Living room. Oh, Lola Falana, come on now. We had Reynolds yeah. and Johnny Carson, come on, I had to go see her. Yeah. Sammy Davis Jr., yeah. come on. We would, we, we, yes, Diane Carroll. Oh, my oh God. Leslie yeah. Tyson. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Um, Flip Wilson, the list was short but yes. rememberable. You know, it was just... Uh, it was, Sidney it was just, Poitier, thank yes. You, thank you, thank you. Thank and you. I got a chance to work with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember as a child being, going, oh, my God, what a beautiful black man mm-hmm. on the screen. Mm-hmm. And he's showing us as us, as us, uh, fully and wholly and unabashedly with no shame. Uh, <laughs> they call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> I knew you going to go there. I knew oh, you going to go And he slapped that sheriff. Oh, my God. Yes. It, yes. it took our breaths away. Yes, yes. And I'm sure some TVs went off, but guess what? We were cheering. Oh. We were cheering in the community. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yes. yes. Uh, n- absolutely. So uh, to, to be able to work with someone like that uh, in, in a piece uh, uh, that was a Western uh, uh, called A Good Day to Die. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and then to uh, have him as mentor and friend awesome. uh, is is awesome, and uh, I'm quite um, grateful, mm-hmm. uh, humble uh, in terms of of the journeys that I've gotten to take well, uh, through the work that you've done. Uh, 
Well, her journey is, continues every Sunday night. It's called The First Lady, a 10-week anthology series. you got to catch it. Please go back to the first when you catch it. But she's a multiple NAACP Image Award winner. She's a multiple Emmy-nominated actress. She's an activist. She's a playwright. And I'm from Texas, so I'm a claim you, okay? Oh. Houston, Texas, <laughs> Dallas girl, okay? And we're going to yes. win together. But more importantly, your talent will forever be stored on DVD, VCR, digital. You are brilliant. Please, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, Miss Regina Taylor. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you want to see or catch any episodes of Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversation with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week, I sat down with the founder of the HBCU Change app, Xavier Peoples, as he shares with what he believes is the motor of the Black economic engine in America. You know, I think first and foremost, I am a avid supporter of all Black institutions within the Black ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I believe that it is paramount to our survival here in this country. Where would we be without HBCUs? Where would we be without the Black church? Where would we be without Black banks, Black businesses? Uh, Those are the true motors of our ecosystem that allow us to thrive in this country in spite of the many hurdles that are thrown out in front of us. If you want to listen to this full interview with Xavier Peoples, it's available on moneymakingconversation.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Uh, my next guests, they are here. I have two of them. One, uh, two, it's supposed to be three in studio, but I have two in studio live. One is at home. She's She traveled worldwide and she came back a little sick, but I forgive her. My next guest is uh, Sonia Fears. And uh, her two daughters, Rhea and Ayana. Uh, Ms. Fears is the uh, Vice President of Global Sports and Entertainment, Director at Morgan Stanley. Uh, Rhea and Ayana are, are also financial advisors at Morgan Stanley under the Fears Group umbrella. Uh, for over 80 years, Morgan Stanley has been helping families and people of all ages navigate their financial lives. Sonja's team works with families to understand how their money can be used to accomplish their goals and help them plan for their future so that they can enjoy all life all that life has to offer. This is a family. Yes, this is a financial family that works together, is on the show to talk about stock, retirement, and financial planning. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Sonia, and her incredible two daughters, Rhea and Ayana. They are the Fears Group. Welcome. Thank you so much, Rashawn. It's a Absolute pleasure to be here, to be back. Um, that's right. You are returning. That's right. <laughs> brought, brought, brought back the crew with you. That's huh? right. That's right. So just um, love the fact that uh, you saw it fit to bring me back. And I welcome this opportunity. Well, I, well, before I get to your daughter, you know, we got to talk, you know, because yeah, of the fact some. that you made an impact on my show because of the fact that, you know, a predominant black radio station play music. You know, that's, that's just, mm-hmm. I don't care what format you are, all over this country. I, I, I had a relationship with Steve Harvey. We syndicated on music stations, so I'm well aware of the power of music. What we lack is in financial literacy. And so I've, I've been so blessed to be on WCLK where they actually stopped the music and allowed me to do a show about entrepreneurship, financial literacy, and community uplift. And then this hour, when you came on the show, 
I feel you impacted some people's lives Absolutely. because you gave them information. And this time you brought back your crew. Your crew. Now, I, <laughs> see, I, I, I didn't expect, I expected Rhea, but then you brought back a, another side crew that I knew nothing about this first time I'm meeting her. So please introduce us to your family, which are your daughters, and we'll talk about how you started this financial journey for you, and then how was it introduced to your daughters to make this a comfortable uh, community that operates under the Fears Group, which is at Morgan Stanley. The floor is yours, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you. So I've been in financial in this space um, for six, this is my 16th year. Um, but really, uh, I started even before this. I've been, I've done mortgages. I've done taxes. Um, I always loved numbers. I wanted to major in math in in, in college. I, I have a degree in chemistry. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I... Dis- AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
discovered the world of investing um, really to be a financial advisor. And, and your previous guest said it before. It was a collision of all the things that I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, I've been a business owner. So I, I'm an entrepreneur um, doing taxes, um, doing mortgages and just being able to. My, my goal was to be a personal CFO right. for individual. And that is the thought that I had in mind. Mm-hmm. And this is that. This is um, a passion for me because it is it's everything that I've done in one place. So it's, it's, a, it's a natural thing. So that's that's how I got into this business. And this is how I realized this is where I was meant to um, to be. Rhea, um, believe it or not, she was to be an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. And last year in Emory, and I'm I'm going to let her introduce herself, she decided that um, with a math and economics degree, she wanted to go into finance. And she put it out there. I said, well, if you're going to apply <laughs> to all these different companies, you might as well apply to Merrill Lynch. That's mm-hmm. where I was before Morgan Stanley. Mm-hmm. And she did. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of the fears group. Before you, before she said something, now you was at Merrill Lynch. Lynch. Then you moved over to Morgan Stanley. Yes, there had to be some doubt, some some as they say. Were you comfortable making that move? Did you question? Did people? Who did you seek out to say, "I'm comfortable over here, but I see a bigger opportunity over here"? It was one of the hardest decisions I've made. You know, so so when you're somewhere where you think. You're at the top of your game. Right. And it's really comfortable and you're being embraced because you're getting the perks of the job. Mm-hmm. To make that decision to move, it's it's a hard decision. <laughs> but it, it was a decision that I made for a few um, reasons. One of the most uh, important reason was my other daughter that's sitting here. Mm-hmm. I wanted all of us to be together. I wanted to build a legacy that she could be a part of, that Rhea could be a part of. And she really, she tried out Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Mm -hmm. but it just didn't work out for her. Mm -hmm. So I made a decision that we're all going to do this together at Morgan Stanley. Okay, now you can introduce her. (laughs) (laughs) Had to get get this transition out. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's it. And and so Ayana Fears, that's my my other daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And believe it or not, totally um, outside of the financial world, she has a degree in health services. Mm -hmm. And that's just to say, wherever you start, this could be where you end up. And it's an amazing career. This is uh, an opportunity for families anywhere to build a legacy that you can start and you can have them finish. I used to tell people it's like running a relay. Mm -hmm. Okay, you start the relay Mm -hmm. and you'll run 500. And when you get to that end, you don't start over again. You pass that baton where you left off. And that is what this industry allows you to do. You know, I, I say, I've never heard your mama preach before. You know, yeah. She's preaching over there. You know, I, I'm moving around in my chair over here. Uh-huh. As I said, going to pass that baton. <laughs> it sounds like that's motivation. That's mm-hmm. motivation about being successful. Health to finance? Mm-hmm. How? Um, so public health, 
uh, degree in public health from Georgia Southern. And I always just took had like a big, strong, I always had a strong footing with sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, I, I knew I liked marketing. I knew I liked business. But I saw my mother and she kind of was like, you know, like you should try. And I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> anything you say you need to do, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I fought it for a while. I I took so many different positions. And that's what really t- it took was right. me trying all those different positions and realizing it did not fit. I did it to the best of my ability. But I personally knew that wasn't for me. Right. So, Rhea, you are not in studio. <laughs> how are you feeling? I know you're a little bit under the weather, but you're a trooper. You came on the show. Tell us about how you got into this world. You know, because I know you weren't drug into it. I knew you was inspired by this uh, this wonderful preacher who's suddenly born herself into my studio today. Your mom, Sonia. Uh, yeah. So I so my degree was in math and economics. I think decision being, I've always been good at math. Economics was something that made sense to me. Um, I kind of got to the end of my undergrad career and kind of started playing with the idea of what would I be happy doing? What would make sense? What would what is something that would engage me um, and that I'd be excited to continue learning about? Um, and so I started looking at things within the finance within the finance field. Um, and I think even if I'm being honest, even growing up, something that was that my dad always told us um, the importance. He always kind of spoke about the importance of money, the importance of living within our means, but ultimately making sure that we could afford the lifestyle that we wanted for ourselves, um, which kind of made us challenge, okay, well, what do we want for ourselves? Um, and then how do I get there? And so I, I, I played with for a long time looking at things to be like, oh, I like that, but that's not going to get me where I want to be. Um and so kind of being able to have that mindset early on, I think, kind of helped make that decision very easy for me. And, um, and so it, for me, it's been, it's been seven years now uh, within the finance industry. I'm enjoying it. And the Fears Group. Was it always the Fears Group? Or did it start when you came over to Morgan Stanley? No, the Fears Group started at Merrill Lynch. Right. Um, again, so the Fears Group started when Rhea... Um, came into Merrill Lynch and we formed a team, her and I. But before um, Rhea came in, I was there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> grinding, grinding. Grinding. And it's, you know, I I, I won't um, sugarcoat it. it. It wasn't easy. And so that's the thing, you know, to really understand that you have to want it. Mm-hmm. I used to say, and I used to say to there's a, a, a guy, a black guy that was in the building and he owned his shoeshine business. Mm-hmm. And I used to go and talk to him in the evenings when I was leaving mm-hmm. and or taking a break, really. And I would tell him, they're going to have to drag me out of here kicking. <laughs> I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. And and I was the second black female to graduate um, the training program at Merrill Lynch out of the Atlanta bucket office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just to give you an idea of what this industry is, um, Merrill Lynch have 17,000 plus um, financial advisors. Of that 17,000 plus, there were 25 black female financial advisors. 17,000. 17,000. 
25. I was one of the 25. And when Rhea came and joined me, she was the second one of the 25. And you're not considered a full-fledged financial advisor until you graduate the training program. So they get a lot of trainees in, right? Right. And so they could use those numbers, but it's a revolving door. They come in and they go out. They Mm -hmm. come in and they go out. To make it through the training program, which is a three and a half training, um, three and a half year training program, that's when you become a financial advisor. 25 of us nationally across the country. So when Riel and I left, that was 10% of all the black female and financial advisors that the company had in the country. You know, when you hear that, Ayana, what what words do you mind? I will not only hear it, but I saw it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I sat in Merrill for, uh, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I saw where people would come in and I saw when they would leave. Mm-hmm. And so I saw where there was the need for not just a mentorship, but like an advocate or somebody to actually kind of walk them through and say like, hey, you know, like I will help you mm-hmm. or pull them up the ladder just a little bit because that's what everybody else was doing for each other. Right. You know, I'm not trying to turn this into a gloom show because it's about finances and money makes everybody mm-hmm. happy when you can get it. <laughs> And they passing out a lot of money right, out there with crypto right. and Bitcoin. And, you know, we're on a little downslide right now mm-hmm. because the stock took a little hit there. But you don't run from the stock no. market. No. You run to the stock market. You do. Okay. So how do you get in the stock market in the fears group leadership financial planning? And so it it's getting into that training program. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to encourage. So... We want to tell um, students that are in middle school, in high school, we, we want to show you. And um, when Rhea was in the program, we reached back to her high school and had a busload of students come in. Right. And we talked to them. So, you know, to, to get the education, the information um, about stocks and finance and really being able to build wealth. What does it mean? Financial literacy, wherever you can get it. We host a a program for financial literacy. There's a lot of YouTube videos, get it, because learning about how to manage money, what it means to understand the stock market, the capital markets, what it means to build wealth, it's important. Right. And we need to teach it. Well, I'm sure that, like, let's go and be real. There are stereotypes. Okay. You know, and we, in our community, Mm -hmm. you are a black woman, a black person in general. Black person come in with their little money. Do you get stereotypes that I trust the white person going to do my money right and you won't do it right? Do you get that stereotype? All the time. All the time. Um, Does it make you mad? (laughs) No, you you have to understand what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you have have a client that was an athlete, right? Right. I'm in global sports and entertainment. And he was previously a client that I did mortgages with. And he told me, because it took a while for me to convince him to become a client in which I was managing his money. Mm-hmm. And he said most athletes, and they say it in the locker room, 
unless they look like someone that had money growing up, they weren't going to allow them to manage their money. Mm-hmm. You know, and so people that look like me um, really is not someone that they equated to have money growing up. Right. So it's it's hard for them to think that I can trust this person and this person will understand what to do to help me grow my wealth. Right. So you have to build that trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And how do you build that trust? By making the money. No, well, you, you educate them first, you know, so, so it comes to the credentials, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a certified financial planner, right? Mm-hmm. It's not many of us out there that mm-hmm. that's like that. Mm-hmm. And the, the designations and the education and to be able to sit down and talk to people about what it means to manage your money, what it means to invest your money. That's that's what it takes. People have to get a sense that they can trust you, that you know what you're talking about, that you understand the seven life priorities. Right. And that's what it takes um, to really help build trust. And that's what you have to do. You have to build trust. But it takes knowledge to be able to do that and educating people to be able to do that. Awesome. Rashawn, if I could, I'd, I'd really like to add to that. Um, I think another part of it, because I, I started in this industry when I was 21 years old. Um, and so having that conversation with people on, well, why should I trust you at this young age to manage my money? I think a lot of times it's stepping in a space and being proactive instead of, re- instead of reactive and kind of stepping in a space of acknowledging what you may think is a concern, kind of acknowledging um, what it is you're there to do, why you're capable of doing it, and kind of being comfortable and confident standing in, okay, this is who I am, this is what I'm here to do, and ultimately, this, this is why I'm qualified. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially women, we don't necessarily feel comfortable or confident being taking that proactive stance. But I, that's definitely a big part of it. We'll be right back with more Money-Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now let's return to Money-Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. You don't run from the stock market. No. You run to the stock market. You do. Okay, so how do you get in the stock market in the fears group leadership financial planning. And so it it's getting into that training program. Mm-hmm. And and we want to encourage. So we want to tell um students that are in middle school and high school. We we want to show you and um when Rhea was in the program, we reached back to her high school and had a busload of students come in. Right. And we talk to them. So, you know, to to get the education, the information um, about stocks and finance and really being able to build wealth. What does it mean? Financial literacy, wherever you can get it. We host a, a program for financial literacy. There's a lot of YouTube videos. Get it. Because learning about how to manage money, what it means to understand the stock market, the capital markets, what it means to build wealth. It's important. Right. And we need to teach it. Well, I'm sure that 
like in the, let's go and be real. There are stereotypes. Okay. You know, and we, in our community, mm-hmm. you are a black woman, a black person in general. Black person come in with their little money. Do you get stereotypes that I, I trust the white person going to do my money right and you won't do it right? Do you get that stereotype? All the time. Uh, All the time. Um, does it make you mad? <laughs> no, you, you have to understand what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you have have a client that was an athlete, right? Right. I'm in global sports and entertainment. And he was previously a client that I did mortgages with. And he told me, because it took a while for me to convince him to become a client in which I was managing his money. Mm -hmm. And he said most athletes, and they say it in the locker room, unless they look like someone that had money growing up, they weren't going to allow them to manage their money, mm-hmm. you know? And so people that look like me um, really is not someone that they equated to have money growing up. Right. So it's, it's hard for them to think that I can trust this person and this person will understand what to do to help me grow my wealth. Right. So you have to build that trust, mm-hmm. right? Right. And how do you build that trust? By making the money. No, well, you, you educate them first, you know, so, so it comes to the credentials, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a certified financial planner, right? Mm-hmm. It's not many of us out there that mm-hmm. that's like that. Mm-hmm. And the, the designations and the education and to be able to sit down and talk to people about what it means to manage your money, what it means to invest your money. That's, that's what it takes. People have to get a sense that they can trust you, that you know what you're talking about, that you and understand so, the seven life priorities, right? And that's what it takes um, to really help build trust. And that's what you have to do. You have to build trust. But it takes knowledge to be able to do that and educating people to be able to do that. Awesome. And- Rashawn, if I could, I'd, I'd really like to add to that. Um, I think another part of it, because I, I started in this industry when I was 21 years old. Um, and so having that conversation with people on, well, why should I trust you at this young age to manage my money? I think a lot of times it's stepping in a space and being proactive instead of re- instead of reactive and kind of stepping in a space of acknowledging what you may think is a concern, kind of acknowledging um, what it is you're there to do, why you're capable of doing it, and kind of being comfortable and confident standing in, okay, this is who I am, this is what I'm here to do, and ultimately, this, this is why I'm qualified. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially women, we don't necessarily feel comfortable or confident being taking that proactive stance. But I, that's definitely a big part of it. Wow. Ayana, newest to the crew? Your thoughts? Well, um, everything that they just said, but more so the being proactive, because I am, I've always been the youngest in the room or the most, what seems to be from so the what, outside. I, I, let me ask this question, because, mm-hmm. you know, you are the youngest. Right. Was it the takeaway? Because you've had the conversation come back to the house mm-hmm. at the breakfast table, at the dinner table, the frustrations, but you came. Because you felt you had a protection, you had mentorship that would allow you to be successful. Right. Is that why? 
No, I wanted it. Um, I The protection, the mentorship, that helped a lot, but I'm not going to do anything that I don't want. And so I saw the life that I want, and I see the things that I want for it, and I know that this profession and all the knowledge that I've been able to gain from just being a, a fly on the wall mm-hmm. to actually being a part of it, I know that that's what I want for myself. I love it. Love it. We have a caller, uh, Rosalind in Marietta, Marietta, Georgia. How you doing, Rosalind? You're on the call with Hi. the Fears Group, and this is Rashawn McDonald, the host. How you doing? What's your question? Hi. I'm good. Hi, Rashawn. Um, I had a question for all the ladies, actually. Um, do you guys do classes or, like, online training or something like that? Do you – where can I watch you guys or learn from you guys? Is it is it just a class? How often do you do it? You know, where can we find you? Oh, thank you for asking. So I started um, a financial literacy um, program online for our, what I said, kids of all ages, you know, because it's, it's targeted to kids. But when you're talking about investing and budgeting and savings, it's kids of all ages. We need to at 50, at 20, at 16, we need all those skills. So um, that's something that um, I will start back up and um, would love to, um, to give you that information. So again, I'm with Morgan Stanley and you can look us up, the Fears Group, and I'll put it out there online. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook um, with our financial literacy program that we're, we're starting again. What is financial literacy? Can you, can you help me with that question? Absolutely. Okay, so when we talk about fan, financial literacy, it's just understanding money, right? And how money, um, you can earn it, but how can you put it to work? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it has a job to do. So what is that job? And, and then understanding what your cash flow needs are, understanding what um, an emergency fund is, understanding saving and budgeting. Financial literacy is all of that is, is understanding from step one um, in saving um, in budgeting in saving for that emergency um, to having those monies to invest and build your wealth, understanding what a net worth is and that it's liabilities and it's your assets and it's assets minus liabilities equals your net worth. And we want that to be positive. That's how we build wealth. So that that's what financial literacy is. Because it's used a lot. It and, is. Uh, and, uh, and again, it's education as to how you can participate. It sounds like I, I'm overwhelmed. I ain't even overwhelmed when I hear the word financial literacy. You know, is it balancing your checkbook? Is it, is it, is it buying a CD? Is it, is it financial literacy tied to, you know, uh, buying a car, leasing a car, buying a home? It's so many layers because I want to talk a little bit more about that because I just want, I just want people to not only feel comfortable with participating because a lot of people don't, they just ignore and just go in the corner and sit there and put a dunce hat on their mm-hmm. head and say, that's not my lane and, and never get back into the lane. You know, they lose a little money and go, oh, I got burned. You know, hear that word burned, mm-hmm. you know. And But this is a journey that I'm with with Money Making Conversation Masterclass to bring talented, in this case, a very talented family that's, that, that has is breaking walls. Uh, you may not know it, but you're breaking walls. You're pulling down, you're tearing down walls. Not only are you tearing down walls, you're tearing down walls because of one thing. You 
you came through and you did you delivered this amazing number, seventeen thousand and twenty-five. So we got another caller. You got the ladies calling in. The ladies are running the show. I'm just the host. Stephanie, how you doing, Stephanie? What is your question for the Fears Group? And I, of course, I am the host, Rashawn McDonald. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Thank you. Yes. My question is, uh, when is a good age to start teaching your kids about the stock market? Oh, I love that question. Um, I tell people all the time, if you have a child that um, smile pretty and do chores in the house, you open a Roth IRA for them and teach them. Okay, so you want to start teaching them as soon as they can understand what money is. Period. Um, I, okay. I, I think another good gauge is if, if your child starts to have a favorite store or a favorite brand, um, they like their Jordans, they love them some Nike, maybe they love to go to Target. Um, I think that's a good way to start to gain interest in the stock market because they can start to kind of follow those companies that they love and the, um, the companies that they frequent um, and kind of see what that means kind of start to finish. Is that the, uh, this our, uh, 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 that's our little sick expert right there that's just piped in right there? <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> With all that important information. She, she definitely she, is. She's really, because she, she said she came into the financial game at 21 years of age. Okay. Yes. So when you say it, as soon as they start talking and understanding. Okay. I have two individuals who you raised. Uh, Rhea, can you tell us when you were, when you were conscious about what the financial world was and the Ayana, if you can follow up with that reaction because you were brought into this world. Like you said, you was doing mortgage, you was doing tax mm-hmm. preparation. So you may not have been at a, at a, at a mm-hmm. uh, Merrill Lynch, but you were always tied to coordinating financial, uh, financial education. So mm-hmm. real, your, your, your turn to tell us how you were introduced into the financial world and when you bought into it. Uh, to the financial world. So, um, like I said, my, my dad was very adamant that we made sure that we always put ourselves where we could afford the lifestyle that we wanted. Um, and so I had my first job at 16, and I have probably had a job since then. Um, and then I, I think that's important is because when I got to a point where it came time to start doing um, applying for financial aid for college or kind of figuring out figuring out why so much money came out of my first paycheck um, in taxes <laughs> and things yes. like that. I, I, my mind kind of started to turn and I, I think kind of stepping in that space and then kind of, kind of turning around and kind of seeing people be, be very vocal um, about, about companies kind of on the rise like Amazon and Google kind of from an earlier age, I think it kind of put us in a position or that put me in a position to, allow my curiosity to kind of turn into research, to kind of turn into that further knowledge. Um, I think I've always kind of taken a place of being involved, again, when it came to doing for financial aid, when it came to doing my taxes, even though it wasn't, it wasn't much. Um, And even kind of opening like my first account and realizing like, hey, you lost money because I, because you overdrew your account. Um, And so it's, it's, it was the requirement to be for me to be involved in those what were seemingly small things. It might have been things that were easy for my parents to kind of fix and kind of knock out without my attention that I kind of encouraged me to to remain engaged. Ayana, your turn. Um, for me, 
I think the the very first memory I have is when we um, I don't remember my age, but Rhea and I we had to go every Saturday to this class for our church. Mm-hmm. And it was, of course, my dad's idea. My mom, you know, she's well into all the finances, but my dad always makes us go do the activities, mm-hmm. makes us counter dollars or get one dollar. You have to save it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to do the stock market game at the uh, class every it was every Saturday or Sunday. And they basically had us do what was it was like a board game, but then it was like a stock market simulation. And it wasn't just, it started off on like the local level and I think it went up to like a national level Mm -hmm. if you, you know, like the stock you picked if it started doing well. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the very first memory that I have of like really taking any type of interest into the stock market. Um, But as far as... And then you went into health. Yeah, and then I went into health. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And then she came on back. The big lasso came on back. But you know, Sonia, when we, we talk about participating, we talk about the wealth gap. You know, you do talk about, you know, the job, you know, the taxes and can the wealth gap for black people close? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I I see it happening. Um, you know, I I see more and more um, black people, young people interested in finances, interested in the stock market. Um, I'm talking to more and more people that has a Robin Hood account. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And are trading on their own mm-hmm. and they're doing foreign uh, foreign exchange trading. You, you're, you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is needed on top of that is really understanding what they're doing, you know, so they're doing it and they're interested, but let's talk about the steps, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and let's talk about what this really means. Um, I, and I want to go back, um, financial literacy, Mm -hmm. right? So finance is in the middle of everything, right? And there's seven life priorities. And I, and I want people to really make note of this. There's home, there's work, right? There's health. We talked about health. Mm-hmm. Um, there's family, there's leisure, right? And there's charity or giving. Mm-hmm. Those are the priorities. Finance touch every single one of those things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what it really takes um, to, to understand um, that this is where we start. This is where we end. This is what we have to teach each other. Wow. Rhea, let's talk about, I know we have a few minutes left, and I want to kind of like go to you because you you mentioned you came in at 21. We're talking about diversity. You know, how (laughs) can we create diversity on Wall Street? Is that possible? No, absolutely. I I absolutely think it is possible. I think... um, where Ayana and I are fortunate is we had that outlet, we had that resource um, that kind of already knew about the industry, that knew about the space that was kind of willing to kind of share their knowledge. I think as we stand in a place now of social media being very present and just it is easier to access information, um, I think there are more it is, there are more and more opportunities becoming available for diverse individuals to step in that space. I think the biggest part of it, though, 
comes down to your network, comes down to being comfortable asking the questions and kind of putting your name in the hat and kind of throwing what you want for yourself and the things that you're interested out to the people in your network. Platforms and um, like you said, you took time out of what is traditionally a music station to kind of provide that information. And if people, diverse individuals kind of take advantage of this opportunity to say, hey, that is something I'm interested in. How do I get involved? That now puts me in a position to make a recommendation or make a referral if somebody comes to me and said, hey, they want to get into the finance industry. Um, Because one, you don't know what you don't know, but two, the majority of the people in the position they are in now is based off of the relationships that they have um, in addition to the work that they put in. So if you're willing to put in the work and you can kind of continue to build on your network and and feel confident in being I guess, vulnerable to say, hey, this is where, this is what I want for myself. I might not necessarily be there now. Um, Is there any way you can kind of help me or is there any way that you know somebody that can help me? I think that goes far. And I think if we, as black people. She can talk like you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a good thing. I want to thank all three of you guys, uh, ladies, excuse me, for coming on the show. Uh, Don't make this a, you know, I always invite you back every quarter. So, you know, nothing's after. there are two more quarters. So next time I'm with Rhea in studio, right. and we're going to talk stock. We got we got we kind of learned who the family is, who the fears group right. is. And at the end, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I appreciate all three of you. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you for the opportunity, Rashawn. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Always remember to lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations Masterclass is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations with your daily Minute of Inspiration. Recently, I spoke with founder and CEO of Barlow's Food, Tiffany Neal. She explained the steps she took to start Barlow's Food with $25 in her pocket. When I initially started... I started with maybe about $25 and some change. So I literally went to, um, once I decided that I wanted to do a pancake mix, I just went to like a Michael's or some type of store like that. I don't remember exactly. And got like a bunch of like packaging, like that was already prepared, Mm -hmm. um, like canisters and things like that. And I just started sending those out to family, to friends, um, just to see if, you know, I thought I had something, but I wanted to see kind of what the feedback would be from other people. So you developed the mix in your kitchen. I did. If you want to listen to this full interview with Tiffany Neal, it's available on moneymakingconversation.com.